Welcome to the Blaze and Bush Podcast. I'm Jeff Bush, and along with my co-host Jim Blaze, we are here to share with you authentic stories of God's extraordinary revelation in ordinary lives. Our hope is that like Moses in the burning bush in Exodus 3, you may encounter the Lord through these humble experiences. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Jim, it's been a while. It, it has. We've we've had a bit of a hiatus, and I've missed it. I have too. You know, we had a planned break after our last episode in November, right? Where we were going to take a few weeks off, but I think there have been some unique circumstances in addition to Christmas and right all of that goodness. You, in your excellent soccer skills, broken ankle, had surgery. You should see the other guy. I know. It's too bad you did it by yourself that's, in open space, too. That's true. <laughs> that's true, actually. Your athletic prowess <laughs> must have really been on display at that moment. You know how you make moves, usually in basketball, and they're so good they call it an ankle breaker? Yeah. Yeah, I, I did that to myself. That's, I mean, you, you faked yourself right out of your own socks. It's a new level. It is a new yeah, level. Yeah. So anyway, but yes, recovering from that, that actually took a lot more time and was a lot more draining than I expected it to be. So that was part of it. However, the bigger part really. Yeah. The bigger part really in, in what we want to do today is have a reflection really on this individual and, and what was very challenging especially for myself personally and, and for my family, was the passing uh, of my spiritual director, Mr. Right. Mr. Bob Fry. Yes. Bob is a man that I think, you know, Jim, we normally have guests on our show, and today we have a guest, but it's being done in, in a different format. Right, right. And he... He is, in fact, one of those people that we always had on our list as a future guest. And so it's fitting that on our return to podcasting, that the first episode after his passing is on him. So uh, it seems totally appropriate that we should take the time to acknowledge his role, both in your formation, which is significant, but also as an influence for the parish that we belong to, it was not just you that he impacted. He impacted so many people, and his spirit was so, it was so exemplary of how we are to follow Christ that it's worth sharing with, with all the listeners. So we're going to take a different approach to the episode today, as opposed to sitting down and hearing our guests and interviewing our guests in relation to how God has revealed themselves in their ordinary lives, we're going to take some time to reflect specifically on the last year of our relationship with Mr. Bob. Yeah, because in this case, the, the, the question is not how did God reveal himself to Bob Fry, but the question is how did God reveal himself through Bob. And I think that that's the, uh, that's what we want to reflect on today. So for those of you listening to the podcast that are unfamiliar with Mr. Bob, 
I mean, Jim, how would you describe him physically so this can sort of paint a picture for those listening? So he had uh, unique characteristics. He was not tall. He was not a tall man. Uh, And so he didn't stand out in that way. But he had, uh, you know, a white head of hair and and this uh, unique beard. (laughs) It's hard to describe. (laughs) It was not like, it was not ZZ Top. It was not quite that, you know, skinny Santa Claus. It was a, yeah, exactly that's uh, so it was, you know, about uh, chest high, I would say, um, or even a little shorter than that, but not broad like a Santa Claus sort of idea. But you're right. I, I think the skinny Santa Claus beard is uh, a fair description. Yeah, he was a thin man and the beard sort of followed the, the linear fashion of <laughs> of his body shape and just such a cool way and as a man that really can't grow facial hair like i was a little envious i get that i'm the same way so yeah we're both the 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 clean shaven folk but he pulled it off really well he did and it and it made sense it It just did he looked monastic yeah right like that's the impression you had and even in the way he carried himself the only thing that was lacking was were ropes if he if he had worn like a gray robe, I would have immediately assumed that he was part of an order. But just the the manner in which he walked, I mean, it's hard to describe. He walked with humility. You know what I mean? He did. And I and as I was reflecting as we were getting ready for this conversation today, I started writing down, you know, if somebody asked me, how would you describe the character of this man? So we've give him a little bit of sort of this physical impression. But when you begin to think about character, you think about certainly the obvious. You think about loving. You think about kindness. You think about you know, the most humble man perhaps many have ever met, certainly myself. For sure. And I began to think, Jim, I'm like, this does not do justice. Yeah, yeah. For Bob. It's... It's one of those things. You know, when you, I think about like my children, they don't know now St. John Paul II, right? But I grew up in his pontificate. But when you try to describe it to them, when you try to describe the impact he had on you, you can't. It, it goes beyond words. Even though you, I mean, you in a certain sense, you can, you can describe what he did and what he said, but you can't describe the impact it had on you. And and Mr. Bob, he was the same way. He had that truly saintly quality where his words went deeper than people realized. You know, he he could touch on the inner parts of what was going on. I wrote down three things and, and I want to share them with you because I think they're very powerful. First Bob loved you before you knew him. Mm-hmm. Secondly, he desperately wanted you to know and to love Jesus Christ. And thirdly, if I only had one, I would say when people saw Bob, they saw Jesus. Yeah. That's how he carried himself. He was loving and kind and humble. 
but he was a quiet and gentle man. And when you start really talking about this and really reflecting on it, somebody else does come to mind. Yeah. Yeah. And it is Jesus. Right. You know, Jesus put you always in front of him. He loved you before we ever realized. And all he wanted was a loving relationship with you. Mm -hmm. And it's without a doubt that God's intent and God's purpose was to be a radiant light shining through Mr. Bob's heart as he walked through the latter stages of his life. Yeah. That was part of his greatness. He was so unassuming. But when he spoke to you, like we would be in a crowded area of the vestibule at church. And when he spoke to you, it was like no one else was there. You know, he would, it was you and him. Absolutely. And it was captivating. He would just be in this conversation and you would feel like you are the most interesting person in the world. Even if you're, you know, droning on and on about whatever your day, you know, your family, whatever. And, but he would be, he would just be so focused on you and you could you could feel the the love that emanated it was really beautiful his presence was powerful yeah and yeah. Po- powerful is a strange word when you think of him when you look at him and know him because he's it may be like a gentle giant is perhaps he's a small man right but he's so very careful in how how he spoke he was so present in conversations with those around him that, yeah, I, I never really thought about that, but thinking now about conversations I've had with him, you could have had a, a circus running around the room and He'd, not have heard it. He would have been totally unaffected because he was talking to you. And and that was the, really his charism, his gift was being so able to love the person in front of him that he could not help but become that focused I, I think that's exemplary. I think, you know, when I reflect back on who he was and who he is, it's that I want to be like that. You know what I mean? I want to be that kind of person. And and that takes a conscious effort, right? To, I think of all the conversations I have, and usually I have something going through my head. Right, like right. I don't, I don't get distracted easily. What's that? You, I was thinking. Yeah, exactly. About <laughs> exactly. I'm kidding. And so I'm usually on topic, but I'm on my topic, right? Oh, without a doubt, we enter almost every conversation that we have, thinking of what is next. Yes, I'm figuring out while you're talking what I'm going to say, and I'm not listening as well as I should, and that's. That Bob had down to a, a, not a science, but he had it. It was just, he was so full of love. That's what he did. He listened. And I feel like that's what, that is an example of who Christ is. Absolutely. Yeah. So 8 a.m. Mass. So you and I are frequently there. And and Bob and, and his wife, we're always there. Yes. And one morning after Mass, so I had been sitting in the pew right behind them for quite some time and and didn't know Bob 
and his wife Jody. And one day after Mass, he came up behind me, and right when I stood up, he was right there. (laughs) And it was one of those moments where I I did not know at all what was going to be happening next. (laughs) And he said, can we get a cup of coffee sometime? Nice. And man, Jim, there's no way I possibly could have anticipated what that question to me and that invitation to me would mean. Mm-hmm. And not only to me, but to Bob, yeah, uh, to my children, to my wife, to my family, my extended family. Yeah. That simple cup of coffee, that invitation was transformational. Yeah. And Bob's probably someone that I would never have asked on my own right. behalf to go have a cup of coffee, mainly because I would have been nervous about every other word I would have said, would have not felt holy enough to be worthy of that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's pointing a finger down at us right now, too, when we say some of these things, because he is the last person on earth that yeah, would want us to he be would talking want to about <laughs> So we ended up going and grabbing a cup of coffee. And it was just a, a casual conversation. He asked a lot of questions. He wanted to get to know me. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times somebody might ask you to grab a cup of coffee or for a meeting or for lunch or for a conversation. And it's kind of like there's almost always an agenda. They want you to get to know them. You know what I mean? Or their goal, or their they want you to get to know something. They want to reveal something to you, but he wanted to see you. Yes. Yeah. And in fact, we sat there for a good hour plus, and I'm not sure he said 10 words. Oh, wow. And it was just that his presence was drawing out of me some very very deep and personal stuff. I was I was vulnerable from the moment we sat down. Right. And I'm a pretty open book, but nothing like that conversation. Mm. And we walked away. It was kind of a, a look at your watch moment where you're like, oh man, what time is it? Wow, I've done nothing but talk about myself. <laughs> and he mentioned to me, he said, by the way, can we get together for another cup of coffee sometime? And I was like, yeah, because I absolutely want to learn about you. Yeah. Like, here is this this man that has this really cool beard <laughs> that I want to get to know because he he's clearly holier than I am. Like, there's a lot I can learn. Right. So, and not to get into this too deeply, but we sit down in the next conversation, and I'm like, I mean, you got to tell me about you. And he's like, no, I got more questions for you. <laughs> and it was like, dang. But we sort of opened up this this conversation and in, in this this comfort level. That's actually I'm sitting here. It's hard to describe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was different. It was not parental. Right. It was not I hadn't known this man. Right. And it's different than talking to a priest. 
you know, and yeah. it's different than even, you know, when you and I first sat down and I had questions about the faith and we were going through RCI, it was different than I felt talking to you or my, you know, it's different than talking to a spouse or. Right. Have you ever had like that kind of, of just complete comfort? I mean, it's, I'm, I'm struggling to describe it, to be honest with you. Right. Right. No, it's a gifted relationship. But we actually opened, from that point on, he became my dedicated spiritual director. Right. And we would spend a couple of hours every other week and had from that moment until really uh, the week before he had passed. Wow. Spending time, and man, without a doubt, the most selfless individual I'd ever met. Yeah. In in every sense of that word. You know, that's the... And that's some of that we've talked about before is he wanted to know you, you know? He didn't, he didn't care about himself. He wasn't putting... He wasn't concerned about what you thought of him. He wasn't concerned about that you saw what a great guy he was. He wanted to know about you. He wasn't even trying to show off. I know people who listen well to others but they still have an agenda. Like they still, you know what I'm saying? So I do. So I always felt like he would ask me a very simple question. Like it could be, um, how are you? Right. And he asked the question because he cared. Right. Because he truly wanted to know how I was. And, and actually, I, I was watching a, uh, my wife had pointed me to this, uh, this talk that Father Mike Schmitz mm-hmm. had done here recently at a conference in Arizona just at the at the turn of the year here okay and and it was all about being fine uh and so often people say i'm fine right i when bob asked me how i was i never said i was fine right in fact the poor man would have to listen to me talk about everything that was going on in my life before he even took a breath but that's what he wanted Right and and there's a there's a confidence in that that he had already demonstrated. You know what? No, I'm. I want to know what's going on. I want to understand what's going on inside your life, and so we can have confidence in that. You know, for a lot of people, that's it's just a form of greeting. Hey, how are you? And then you move on to the next step. You give a a short answer and you move on to the next step to get to the real conversation. But for him, how are you? That was the real conversation. I mean, that's the, how caring he was is that he really wanted to know and he wouldn't let it drop. I'm confident if you had come back with fine, (laughs) you know, he would have, Oh, that would have been unacceptable. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Actually, he would have seen right through it. Yes. And would have had a follow up question. Right. I never said fine. Yeah. Sadly enough, I'm sitting here. I'm not sure I ever asked him how he was doing. <laughs> Although I sort of kind of knew that. But he, you know what? He was, he emanated joy. He emanated peace. He was one of those characters who was just, you knew he was great. And he was, he was happy. Obviously, at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Christ begins with the Beatitudes, right? And it says, happy are the poor in spirit. And, well, if you go through every single one of those, happy are the peacemakers, happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You go through every single beatitude 
Bob was happy in the way that those those little statements describe. He was truly a blessed man. He was truly a happy man. And it was it came from a place that was sincere, that was really eternal in hindsight. You know, we can see that. It was a place of a relationship with God that he was really he was pleased no matter the place he was or circumstances. And that's, I think, again, a gift of his. If you would ask him how he was. So I know I have asked him this question. Yeah. Because his response was always, I am so blessed. Yeah. And, and again, he meant it. That's it. That's it exactly. Is there? I know a lot of people who you ask them, oh, how are you? And they'll say, blessed. And it's a learned answer. You know what I mean? It's a learned response that, you know what, as a Christian, whether I feel this or not, that is the right answer. And it, it in a true sense, it is the right answer. But for him, it was not simply this thing that he was trying to attain to. It, he really was. He was, he really felt that way. And his response was so sincere that man, there is nothing that could make me happier. We were talking about this is that um, for most of us, I would say we have a place or we have circumstances where we identify as, you know what? This is my happy place, you know, or, and it can't, it's not necessarily a location, but it can be, it can be, you know, my happy place is the beach, right? Like you can get little things that say that, or, you know, drinking with friends or... Well, I, as a golfer, it used to be, I used yes. to call the golf course my heaven on earth. Before yes. I, before I... Exactly. Like, that's a great example. That's, and I know, a widespread example. But for Bob, his happy place was wherever he was. Yes. And that's what we want to attain to. That's what Christ invites us to, is to be in a place in life where the circumstances don't dictate your sense of peace, your sense of joy. The person in front of you doesn't dictate how loving you will respond. It is truly from your relationship with the Lord. And he lived that. And the, that's the great witness that he gave, is you saw that. We Again, we talked about this as well. He was one of those people at Mass. I was going to daily Mass uh, for a while before I ever met Bob. But he was one of those people you knew who he was before you knew him because he stood out. And he stood out not in a necessarily gregarious, you know, he wasn't a Cardinal Dolan. He was not this super outgoing personality. Uh, and, and so everyone knew who he was, kind of life of the party. He was quiet. He was reserved. He stood out in his humility. And that's a rare that's a rare person who can pull that off, who is just in his everything, in everything about him, he, he just has that, that peace and that humility. I, I, I got to switch gears just a little bit because we have to touch on one of the... Bob loved to laugh. Yeah. He loved to laugh, and, and I think he enjoyed kind of laughing with me often. <laughs> I was going to say at me, but he never laughed at me. He always just loved to laugh with me. And and we were getting these conversations. He's like, 
what do you think Jesus is saying as he's listening to us? Like, in half the time, he would go, you know what? I bet he's laughing. Yeah. Bob Bob had this love for coffee. <laughs> and part of the reason I think about this, and, and I, I, I feel like I want to laugh right now, and I just grabbed the cup of coffee off the table here as nice. we're talking about. Yeah. You know, Bob Bob loved a cup of coffee, and there was not there was not a cup of coffee that he would not have at any time of the day. <laughs> he just loved it, but he was such a simple man. Yes. And coffee is like as simple as it gets. It really is. I mean, it's again, it's the simple joys. He didn't have to be at the beach having coffee. Not that he would have turned that down, I suspect, but he didn't have to be, you know, he didn't have to have these elaborate experiences. Just a cup of coffee with he, a friend. He is the man that would drink a cup of coffee at the beach, by the way. No doubt. <laughs> but I got I got to say this. So he he would drink coffee faster than any human being nice. I'd ever met. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of his unique skills and we would laugh. He 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 would say all the time he'd I'd be talking and because that's how that worked. I just talked and right. talked and talked, and he would listen and ask questions. And I keep talking, but he, he would he would joke all the time. He he would kind of hold up his cup, and it was kind of this indication that like, all right, you need to take a breath, son. <laughs> he would hold up his cup and go, "There's there's a hole in this cup," <laughs> and then he would just get up and go refill his coffee, nice, and come back. And sometimes we would be in a, a very deep moment. Uh, but he would just need to sort of break the yeah the emotional right sort of moment that we were in, and and he would do it with laughter, kind of reset. Yeah, and it was this just moment where I remember one time in doing so, he said, "You know, I wouldn't mind being the patron saint of coffee," <laughs> <laughs> and it's just something that I will never forget. But Jim, I got to challenge you on this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know there is a patron saint of coffee. I, I so I did know that. Yes, yes. Well, can you name who it is? <clears throat> well, so I know that there's a coffee house in Colorado on the CSU campus, and and so I'm I'm giving the listeners this is a pause to give the listeners their chance to try and answer it, but it's nobody even knew there was a patron saint of coffee, let alone oh. Jody knows. <laughs> She's probably out there saying, it's Bob. Come on now. I don't know who it used to be, but it's Bob. <laughs> but it's Drago. Gosh. Drago Coffee. That's their, their coffee house. And so St. Drago, can you name his nationality? Oh, that's an interesting question. Uh, I only know about three things about this saint. I so. would love for it to be Colombian because that would be so <laughs> fitting. But but I suspect it's like Romanian. I believe he's French. Is he Don't French? Don't quote me on that. But interesting. Yeah. See, Drago sounds very Eastern European to me. Oh, it does. Drago. It does. Know? But uh, okay, I'll, I'll I'll just accept that. All right. So, if, and I could I could be making that up. Like we need to fact check that one. Okay. I believe okay. he's French. We'll Parlez check that for next episode. Parlez-vous français? Drago? Je m'appelle Jeff et toi? <laughs> you know, my mom was a French teacher, right? Oh, I didn't. See, I, yeah. I took Latin. I specifically took Latin in high school because I know that no one ever would be able to correct me. I'd be like, you're not a native Latin speaker. <laughs> <laughs> I have nowhere to go with that sarcasm. <laughs> okay. So, I completely lost my train of thought. We're talking about Bob the new patron, saying of coffee. Yes, yes. This is my... 
My question. Maybe he can focus on espressos. But he didn't like espressos, huh? You know, he would doctor up his coffee a little bit, though. He he would, you know, he'd put a little cream in there. You think he could be the patron saint of the creamer? But I'm... <laughs> Question. This is a legit question okay. that I do right. not know the answer to. Okay. And I'm going to feel like a real dunce if I ask this question and then reflect on it later and be like, oh, yeah, I already knew that answer. But sitting here at this particular moment, I'm sure. drawing a blank. Can there be more than one patron saint of something? I think so. Usually, but, and actually, that's kind of what we were discussing, is usually there's some like fine distinction. So you have like a patron saint of cancer, but then you have different kinds of cancer. And so each kind gets its own patron saint. Or you might have, you'll have these general lost items. Well, then you might have like specific lost items sort of thing. So I suspect that it would be like uh, coffee from a coffee house or... There'd be some sort of specification. Yes. That's for it. my understanding. That's now I don't, sort of know that from a doctrinal side. I just, that's been my experience, is that usually when you sort of hone in, you find, oh, well, this guy's, he's the patron, you know, Drago's the patron saint of coffee. Well, this guy's the patron saint of coffee with creamer. <laughs> well, I guess if there's a lesson that I can take away from this, Jim, is that I need to start adding cream to my coffee. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Or however he doctored his beautiful or coffee jokes coffee jokes i like that one yeah 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 and and you can have specifically on the cup there's a hole in this cup (laughs) i think that would be awesome amen (laughs) hey it's jim again you know i'm the kind of guy that when he finds something really worthwhile likes to tell people about it So I wanted just a minute here to tell you about a line of Christ-centered clothing called God's Brand. I personally have several God's Brand items, pullovers, button-downs, a really nice quarter-zip fleece. They're stylish, and they help me represent my faith in everyday life. When you get a chance, check out godsbrand.com. They have all sorts of styles for almost any occasion. Again, they're at God's Brand, all one word. Dot com. Check it out. You'll be glad you did. You know, and I think it's really important to bring up, Jim, when you hear, as we're reflecting in, in, in talking of his character and his presence and so forth and his faith, he was not a man that was born with this sort of persona. Yeah. Now, clearly Christ had this inside of him. The whole time. But this is a man that worked in in technology, worked for the Chicago Board of Trade, like had a a real occupation in a very busy city. You think about this person we're describing. Yeah. And you think, man, this guy must have been a holy man from the moment he came out of the womb. Right. And I just think it's extremely important for the listeners to understand that these transformations, Christ is excited to transform hearts. And he's ready. Yeah. He wants us to be inspired 
by his love and by these stories. And he wants us to turn to him and surrender and begin to trust that in whatever circumstance you're in, whether you're on the beach or sitting in a coffee shop, it's really not different. You should be who you are, and that's a son or daughter of our Lord and our Savior. Yeah. I, I like what you said there with the the surrender. And here's the thing about the surrender is that it is complete. You cannot half surrender. That's not a surrender at all. <laughs> that's still fighting against it. A half surrender is meaningless, and there's no transformation in it. There's no new life to be given if there are still parts of ourselves that we hold to ourselves. Now, can Christ start there and continue to work on you? Yes, he can, because Christ is the Lord. But the more completely we surrender our lives to him, the more that we will find ourselves transformed and become a new light, a new Christ, right? A new anointed one, as our baptisms have made us, you know? But we will live it out in such a way that we will then be a light for those around us. And it will, you can't overstate what an impact that will have on your life, on your family, on the people around you. You just can't. It will be more than a person can imagine if we just give ourselves to the Lord, whatever is hard, especially what's hard. And Bob is a witness to, as you said, he is an example, number one, of Christ's willingness, desire even to transform each of us. And he did it with abandon. And we saw the, you and I saw the fruits of that. We saw the fruits of it we didn't get to see the transformation. We simply saw, you know, I mean, he looked like Moses walking in, you know. <laughs> I'm surprised there weren't times that we didn't have to put a veil over his face, you know. So, <laughs> but uh, he really looked like one of those people that you saw from afar, okay, something special is going on here, and I want it. He invited you forward, and again, he still does, quite honestly, because we know who he is, and we know that he is interceding on our behalf, and we know that he's in the presence of the Lord, and that he is seeking our best before the Lord. And so there's still all of that in that relationship. Yeah, you put, you put so much on the table right there, but I want to touch on one particular point, and it is sort of this this infectious impact that he has because not only has he had a deep and profound impact on on many people more than we could ever possibly count and more that he would ever know to be quite honest with you but specifically he had an opportunity to really kind of get close with with my wife and with my children uh, he and his wife really have had a tremendous impact on our on our home and on our kids um, to the point where they they considered him you know I'm doing the air quotes here but the their spiritual grandfather yeah and they thought of his wife as their spiritual grandmother that's beautiful and and they just 
I think saw this this profound love that that was different than the relationship they have with both sets of their grandparents who are both living who my wife and children and I love unconditionally. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But this is just a different right. A different perspective. Yeah. Yeah. It, I think it really describes the vine and the branches. Right? Like yeah. when Christ speaks of I am the vine, you are the branches. Well, branches they they come off of other branches. And what comes off of that branch then, you never get to see uh, further down. The, so the impact that your kids are going to have, he'll never see, well, he will see that, but he won't experience that on earth. But they're, the life that they give and the people that they touch are going to be a continued fruit of of Bob's impact on you and on your family. I mean, that's just the truth. They are. We are buds on that branch of life. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And I know that that he will be present in their hearts and in their minds and in their prayers forever. Oh, yes. Yeah. And it's it's funny our 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 9-year-old daughter she she and she called him Mr. Bob. Yeah. Which we just I just love. Yeah. You know, it really It's respectful and intimate. It you is. know, it's both. <laughs> it is. Well, it's beautiful because she she has a a very gentle soul. Mm-hmm. And it's a soul that was very much like his. Mm. And they connected so quickly and so deeply, Jim, that um it, their bond was more unique than Oh sure then I could probably do justice trying to describe. You know, but she tells me now, you know, Dad, I had a great conversation with Mr. Bob today. Oh, I love that. And she will talk to him in the silence of her prayer. Yeah. Today. Now. And they talk. And it's hilarious because sometimes she's like, you know, you wanted to. It sounds kind of like you know, Dad. I couldn't even hang up the phone because he's talking my ear off. <laughs> and she's like, "Okay, Mister Bob. Okay, I hear you. I know. I miss you too. Yeah. It's that kind of yeah love and just genuine comfort with the fact that while his physical presence is no longer here in this earthly kingdom, his spirit is so alive. Oh, for sure. It, you know, and for I, I want to make one one other yeah. comment here. Sorry. Um, like I said, our, our my wife's parents and my parents are all still living. For for my nine year old daughter and for my twelve year old daughter, this was their first real experience with death. Right. And as a parent going through that with a young child. You know, I wasn't really sure how we would navigate those waters. Yeah. But what is so beautiful is when you can just give those worries or that concern or that fear away. There was no need to try and sugarcoat what was happening. Right. And I knew that the Holy Spirit would guide those moments, would guide guide those and navigate those emotional waters. 
I didn't have to worry about showing up with answers. Yeah. But you always knew. The one thing we always knew was that he was still there. He was still present. That's so important too. And you're speaking of what I'm hearing as you're talking is Christ's words that unless you become like little children, right? They just see what is true. And the truth is that we are in the midst. We are surrounded, right? Going back to the letter to the Hebrews, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And he is among those witnesses. He is right here in our midst because he is with the Lord and that union with the Lord is not broken. You know, we, we are united together in the Lord. And St. Paul says that nothing can take us away from that. So we, it is totally natural to have a conversation, but in, you know, we get kind of caught up in uh, what we can see and hear and, and we lose sight of the fact that, that there's reality beyond that. And that reality is no less true because it's unseen. In fact, in some ways, it's more eternal. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Blazing Bush Podcast. Be sure and check out our website at blazingbush.com, as well as follow and like Blazing Bush on Instagram and Facebook. Until next time, God bless. Thank you.